Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. This podcast will seek to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of my podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations where every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to you joining me on this journey toward a better understanding of each other. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening for common ground first. I am so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's see what my next guest has to say. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, host of Why Do Pets Matter, the podcast. And today I'm so thrilled to have my good and longtime friend, Dave Nickel, Dr. Dave Nickel, who is first and foremost, the father to a beautiful daughter, but in his spare time, he's also a practicing veterinarian, an author of So You're a Vet Now. Uh, so You're a Vet, Now What? That's the title, So You're a Vet, Now What? Um, he's also the founder of VetX International. And he really helps create content, helps veterinarians become leaders, and just as an all around great guy to have a conversation with where you leave feeling so much better about yourself and what you're doing. So Dave, thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Deborah. That was a lovely introduction. Well, you know, I feel like I've known you forever. I know we've only really met in person a few times, but both times was just wonderful. And last time I introduced you to my sister, Dr. Nadine Hamilton, who's also been a podcast uh, visitor and someone can go back and listen to her podcast. Uh, she's in Australia. You're in um, Great Britain, in the UK. Uh, That's right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. A, a Scotsman living in England. Oh my God. That's, well, it's warmer. It's tough. <laughs> that's, so that's, that's a compensation. No, it's really nice. I live on the south coast of England and I'm blessed to be here. Well, I introduced you with what was the most important to you, which we had talked about before the podcast started, which is your daughter. And now that we're right. sitting in COVID, it really makes us understand what is important to us. Um, but other than your daughter, the question I ask all my guests at first are, why do pets matter to you, Dave Nickel? I think pets matter to me, and I've had a lot of pets in my life, as I'm sure every veterinarian on the planet would say. Uh, you know, we, there, I, I had a gateway pet when I was a little little boy, and that was a goldfish. And then that, that became a, a gerbil, which became the first of three rabbits, and then a dog. And I think there were some quail along the way as well. My dad had a mad scientist moment and brought some quail home and they lasted about three seconds before some predator got them uh, in rural Scotland. Uh, and, and, and then cats, actually, my professional life, I've, um, you know, I've, I've had cats. So I think I've had two dogs, three cats, uh, three rabbits, God knows how many gerbils, quite a lot of them, and and a few fish. And I think, I always think the reason animals matter is, uh, and and it's different because I didn't I didn't become a vet because necessarily of animals. That was part of the mix. But I think animals matter because, and and this is not necessarily just for me, but for anybody. The world has become such a 
we, we talk about the, the globalization and the interconnection of everything now, this internet of things and it bringing us all closer together. But I kind of disagree with that because I don't, that's not what I see playing on, playing out there. I see people becoming more distant from each other. You know, we've never been busier, but more lonely on this planet. Uh, and devices are causing us to become less communicative. Our communication skills verbally in person are getting worse. Uh, so when you've been out at the office working for a long day uh, and maybe the world has been a bit mean to you, pets have always been and I think are increasingly more important in our lives because when we walk through that front door, we get that waggy tail or that animal trying to trip us up and you know end us as we try and walk through the door. But we get that without question. If they're fit and well, we get some form of appreciation, connection, and love. And I, I, I think that's, that's something amazing that animals can give us. But I, I think pets, you know, broadening that out to animals more generally, I've just always been amazed at their ability to put smiles on our faces and connect with us as human beings and, and just be a, such an intimate part of our lives. It would be a weird, weird planet not to have them. Uh, so, and I, I, I would extend that to all animals because I just, you know, I was sat and you mentioned my daughter earlier, we were sat reading and, and we were just watching the sparrows playing and foraging for berries. And I just think, what a beautiful thing. It'd be a, it'd be a bad place or a world that did not have animals. I know in this time, it really is amazing how even before we were in shelter in place, animals had become more important to us then when your dad brought home um, the pheasant to the um, joy and, and glee of the foxes uh, <laughs> in the neighborhood, uh, they just became more important. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, we're now, you know, in, in this lockdown stage and, and very distant. And I, you know, everyone's mental health is in the balance right now. Uh, you know, we, we, we're not very good about talking about mental health, but we all suffer from some form of you know, ups and downs in the same way that we suffer from having a slightly more rotund belly when we, you know, post Thanksgiving or Christmas when we've eaten too much. And then we, what do we do? We go join a gym and we, we run a few miles and we shed a few pounds, but we also get mentally flabby. Uh, and that doesn't mean lazy. That means stressed or lost or disconnected. Uh, and then feelings, you know, for human needs aren't being met. And that's what this, you know, shelter in place enforced sort of lockdown is doing. Like our social ties or connections or certainty is all up in the air at the minute. And boy, oh boy, like animals give us certainty. They give us connection. They make us feel significant, even if nobody else has done in that day. And so right now, uh, if you have if you have a pet in your home, that that, that could easily be a lifesaver of sorts for some, and certainly a, a really welcome addition. And apart from anything else, like if you've got a dog, then you have to get out there and walk it somehow. So there is an imperative to have some form of social connection. But we've known this for forever. With uh, you know, perhaps with people when they become you know, isolated or lonely for whatever reason, perhaps they've lost a partner or through divorce or uh, somebody living on their own later in life. Like uh, we know that pet ownership falls in half for, 
you know, elderly people, but actually there are so many amazing benefits to having a pet when you're older. Um, so I, I think the same thing is, is true right now. Uh, that said, a dog is for life, not just for COVID. Yeah. Uh, you know, that is, I, I'm sure it happened over in the UK as well. A lot of people went to shelters um, and adopted a pet to go shelter in place. And, and that might be the best thing in the world because those dogs may get the opportunity to be pets when they might not have become been an opportunity. Then there's the discussion about well, what happens when you go back to work. Uh, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And I think that also, you know, why do pets matter? They've helped us really mentally uh, navigate this time, um, probably more so than our families, because sometimes when we're sitting around with our family all the time, we need a break. That's why I walk my dogs three times a day. Uh, but I think that um, it was interesting you said that, I, because one of my other uh, colleagues that, you know, if the shelters started helping people keep pets instead of taking them back, especially after COVID, you know, maybe doing a dog daycare or, or some sort of training every night for people who adopted during COVID, that would be, you know, once once the door is open again, because of course we're all been on our own, that might be a source of making sure people keep the pets that they took during COVID. Um, but I know you likely feel the same way if it really isn't a good fit, A, because you didn't get your job back, and so now you're financially struggling, or B, you got your job back, and it's not remote, and you're away a lot, it might be better for the dog, but the dog now has had the ability to live with someone and live in a house, and so maybe more adaptable to someone who didn't do this, or, you know, there's always, I always look for the silver lining. Yeah, I do, and it actually is nice to hear, because, you know, what I'd heard was that, you know, and animals getting abandoned a lot and shelters filling up and and that sort of thing made me feel really sad because it came from a place of ignorance uh you know it wasn't because people were like hey i'm not gonna have any money or have a job um it came because people were worried that animals could contract and spread coronavirus uh to their owners so there, there was a fear thing and, and and this is something the media uh hasn't done you know particularly well as you know it doesn't like to squash bad stories because they don't sell um so i think it's it's been very important for us to communicate clearly on that and and i think there are you know particularly for veterinary practices you know uh i had the pleasure of interviewing a lady called sarah pisano and she's a she's a doctor that's done some really amazing things in shelter medicine she has changed the the game completely i mean turned everything on its head in terms of how shelters handle animals uh and and there is not a part of that processing system that that she's not turned upside down to go from shelters where you know if you if you were caught by the state and taken into the into the dog pound then you had a very high risk of euthanasia being your outcome and not coming back out. Well, this amazing lady essentially went into local communities and said, okay, how do we stop animals getting to the shelter in the first place? Responsible ownership. Just responsible ownership, but then also um, 
stopping shelters taking in a lot of these animals and going, hey, do, does this animal meet this criteria? So there is a cat that gets brought into the shelter and that cat is uh, 10 pounds in weight. That's probably not a stray cat. That cat's being fed very well. So that cat has actually just been kidnapped by somebody who has taken it away from its home patch. And and now the, now the cat's going to go in the shelter. And now it, now you've got an unnecessary admission. So she worked on it. She just came at it from a different different way entirely and, and did some amazing things. But so I think with shell with, with the thing about animal ownership is it's that thinking upstream of is this the right decision for me just now? And and what are the what are the downstream uh, responsibilities and repercussions of this particular decision here and now. So yeah, I'm lonely. I've got more time now, but you know, you're not going to have that forever. This is going to come. We're we're going to come through this. It's going to change. And what does that look like? Um, but the health benefits of pet ownership are enormous uh, and to be encouraged. Um, and and there's there's really very little downside. The costs of ownership uh, are not massive. It can be deferred with insurance and with payment plans uh, uh, or budgeted more evenly. Uh, and and so with, with the right education and the right uh, taking your responsibility seriously, pet ownership has really got nothing but upside to it. Well, I'm going to have to pick your brain and try to meet Sarah because this is my mission as well is to really help people be their best selves in ownership. And I think it's a lack of education, um, sometimes a lot of judgment that will then create that downstream, uh, I'm you know, getting rid of it because I'm not taking care of it in a way, because I might not take care of a dog in the way you take care of a dog or a cat the way you take. And so if I don't, does that mean I'm a bad owner? Well, if the cat is 10 pounds and you know, maybe they love to be outdoors and are running around and happy and come home every night, but yet somebody picked them up, but I keep my cat in the house and that's the way you're supposed to do it. And, you know, we have to be a little gentle on ownership as long as the do- the cats, you know, here in the United States, we have a lot of people who um, are against tether laws and, and tether is not the best thing, but it actually is much better than letting them run in the middle of the street. That's always a choice to make. And if your dog is checked out by someone like you, a veterinarian, and the dog is in great weight, up-to-date in vaccinations and happy and playful, maybe this is the best, maybe the person's older. I loved when you said, you know, older people don't get pets. And I, I'm such a firm believer in, uh, because I'm getting there, David, because I'm getting old, uh, that I'm going to have a pet until I, you know, croak. Uh, and I hold those programs all the time on how to make sure you can keep a pet because you put a plan around the pet in case you predecease it. Right. But I think older people stay more vital and more alive because pets matter to them and they'll get out of bed. There's no question, like loneliness is a killer, uh, lack of exercise. You know, we, we, everyone reaches for the magic pill to cure X, Y, Z condition they've got. And what they're looking past is the truth right in front of their eyes, that if, if exercise was a drug, if the, if the effect of exercise could be replicated by any drug, then it would be a wonder drug that we would all be taking twice a day. Yeah. And you don't need to take it twice a day. You can do it. You can do some form of exercise three times a week. Now, if you have a pet and you go out for a walk twice a day or three times a day, like you do, there you go. You've, you've got it. Like you've got, 
you've got your stress relief, you've got your connection. You're, it's meeting so many human needs. And when you meet your human needs, you make happy hormones, uh, happy, happy emotions. When you're in a happier emotional state, your stress, your cortisol levels, your adrenaline's lower. And those, those chemicals are very good for you short term when you have to get out of trouble, but very bad for you if they're chronically there. And if you're, when you're feeling miserable and depressed, then you know, you're just sitting there in a, in a bad hormonal, emotional state that can be alleviated greatly by companionship. Uh, so, and, and, and people get worried, you know, I know, I know people get worried and concerned uh, that, you know, I, I shouldn't get another dog right now. What if, what if I outlive the dog? But the truth is, shelters are not full of one-year-old puppies. Full, there's a full spectrum of ages and temperaments and, and there is a dog for everybody or a cat for everybody out there. Uh, and, you know, I was involved in a program when I lived and worked in Australia for seven years. We set up this amazing, so we didn't set up, but we supported one of my clients in building this program called, and it was called um, Pause for Thought. Uh, and the Pause for Thought wasn't a registered charity, but it was a very dedicated lady called Marika who went to, she approached me and said, listen, I've got this work I do with dogs and shelters. Um, would you, I just bought the practice and she said, would you be willing for me to uh, bring the work here? I bring my, I bring my own dogs here. I would really love to bring that, but the previous owners weren't really interested. And I said, okay, well, tell me what you're thinking. And so she told me a bit of what she was thinking. And then pretty quickly it got to how could I help her find the most jacked up animal in the pound that was old and we could give it another, the objective she gave me was I want, I want this animal that's been abandoned, hasn't been loved. Nobody's looked after it to feel some, the touch of love from a human for the last two or three months of his life and, and to be out of pain. And that's what, that's, that's what we did. So she would find these most, they were, they were all 15 years plus, terrible condition, awful teeth, unneutered, um, often with heart disease. And we would, these animals would be, okay, we try or we euthanize, um, but otherwise they're just going to rot in the pound. And so we would try. And we did this for maybe, I don't know, we've been doing it for three, three odd years, maybe four years. Uh, and Marika in the end was starting to get annoyed with me because the average length of time they were living was 18 months. And that, you know, and, and they, they would literally go like one of the dogs came in and, and we were talking and, and we looked down like, did, did that dog just die on the floor? And it hadn't, it was just sleeping because it was in a cleaner, quieter environment. And we, Raspberry Ripple, its name was, and, and we fixed that dog up and that dog became such a bossy boots and was running around the yard, yapping at the other dogs and just loving life. So, so there are animals and, and she would foster them all over Australia. She told their stories on Facebook and she had financiers from around the world. I remember going across to VMX and speaking, it was NAVC at the time, speaking at a conference there and putting up a slide with and telling the story of how we, we were doing this work. Somebody came running up to me at the end. We're in Florida. Somebody came running up to me at the end and said, oh my God, you know, Mrs. PFT, you're Dr. Dave. This is incredible. It's so great to meet you. I send them money. And so she had a PayPal account and, and we gave them a, a big discount uh, and we became part of their story. And we all felt great about the work we were doing. But 
that she fostered those animals out to, and if you were, if you thought you only had a couple of years of life yet left in you, get an old crusty dog out of the pound, spend some money fixing that dog up and it will love you back. And you don't have to worry about that. It, um, you know, it is, it is so incredibly true because it's sort of like, um, dogs recognize, I always humanize them, um, recognize, boy, I must've screwed up last time. Um, and I'm going to make sure this works. And if you're of the right mind to help them be their best selves, mm -hmm. they will pay you back a million times. Deborah's just like children, yep. uh, you know, no bad kids. Like we, we ruin our children, you know, we're well-meaning most of the time, but, but ruin them by not being the best versions of ourselves. And the same thing is with dogs. Like if you get a Labrador and you put it in a room and you don't work that animal in some way, keep it mentally engaged. Like, yes, Labradors like food, but just throwing food in a bowl for it twice a day, is going to destroy that and then be bored. Well, you know, guess what's going to happen? You're going to come back and where you had uh, the room that it was in. You no longer have sheet wrap. Right. You might have had a linoleum floor and a door, and now you've got a big pile of confetti and a pile of matchsticks where you had both those things. And you're like, and it's the dog's fault? No, it's not. Like you got a work dog and you brought it into a home environment and didn't do your homework. That's on you. That dog goes into a better environment, different animal completely. You know, you've got an animal you don't care for and invest the time in looking after its dental health. It's going to be sore. Well, it's going to be a grumpy animal potentially. It's going to be more likely to bite. So get its pain sorted and it will change its demeanor completely. Like there's always a way to make a situation work. Absolutely. David, I am, we're coming to the end of the podcast, but I just want to thank you so much. There's so much more I would love to chat with you about, especially this topic, because it's near and dear to my heart, um, senior dogs and senior people. Oh boy. I think it's, it's like, it's my heart. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I created the MAP program so people could feel that peace because most of them say, well, I can't get it. What if I die before it? Well, I've got that cure. So don't worry. I got that covered. David's I got making it love healthy, that. healthy covered. Um, so we're good. Dr. David Nickel, thank you so much for coming. I can't wait to have you back. This is Deborah Hamilton on Why Do Pets Matter? And thank you so much for coming. And we look forward to you listening to our next podcast. You've been listening to the podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. Do you have a great idea or guest or topic that you'd like me to cover? Write me at hamiltonlawandmediation.com or email me at whydopetsmatterpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, our pets do matter. Thank you for being here with me.